Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. What episode are we? I think we're on 145 or 146. I forget. Um, which is still kind of crazy. Think about that. Put into perspective. Welcome back. <laughs> we're in an off week. So when Rian and I got together and said, what do we talk about on the podcast for the week? Um, there was very little football unless you count the U.S. men's national team, which I think Rian and I uh, mentally uh, skipped that game. Uh, Rian, I know, did not mentally skip that game because naturally he was tweeting about it. I, on the other hand, was not and just woefully looking at a game that saw no attacking football being played. But whatever, that's neither here nor there. Um, We're going to talk about everything transfer related that happened in January. Plus, of course, we'll get to AFCON and we'll talk about the U.S. men's national team. But first and foremost, Rian, you went skiing (laughs) this past weekend. Um. I believe I got photo and video evidence of our friend Peter. I don't know if I got any of yours. Uh, so I need to I need to actually go back and ask for that. Um, but don't worry, I have a mental image in my head of you literally like walking down the mountain and waddling in your, in your broken skis. <laughs> and that gave me life. <laughs> yeah, my, my attempt kind of flopped. Thankfully, no one <laughs> around me. Um would have taken a video of me thankfully <laughs> i wasn't around anybody who would have been so cruel he was but... he was that far up the hill around nobody <laughs> uh but yeah no just one of my um one of my skis did not work properly and and my attempt at skiing did not go great so i don't know i think that the next time definitely i will probably just get lessons that's i i, I try basically tried freestyling it not not on my own, but like freestyling with people who, with other people who actually knew how to ski, yeah, trying to give me pointers. Which, yeah, it's it's not intuitive enough for for, for a couple of friends to be trying to teach me, <laughs> unless they were instructors themselves. So, which which just for the record, they are not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's but, fair. But yeah, outside of that, I was weirdly in a place that saw far less snow than New York did this past weekend. Yeah, basically, we got absolutely dumped on like Friday into Saturday, which is which is awesome. If you were not working the weekend like I was and actually went out in like Central Park, I actually went out into into the park, um, I think on Sunday and I went ice skating on Sunday and it was so fun because it also wasn't like bitterly cold. It was like perfect amount of sunshine, like the snow was everywhere. It was like something out of a movie. Um, It was it was very, very serene. So definitely better than honestly flinging myself down a mountain which the more like the older i get i don't know what it is there's something about skiing that i just cannot like fathom doing i it's like i could do it right now and i think it was flinging myself down a mountain that is a a right way to describe it um (laughs) you're just going straight weren't you (laughs) yeah yeah well like kind of i guess i mean yeah uh but um no it's i definitely can understand how cool it is if you can actually do it <laughs> it's just that first step <laughs> is really tough so doesn't that go for like everything <laughs> like most I don't know things about everything life. i don't think i would say most things in life if you're really good at it it's it's cool i, I don't know <laughs> all right I'll like give some you jobs i'm trying to, i'm trying to think like like what job would be really really cool if what you job could do wouldn't it really be well? really cool if you were really really good at even if you're uh, really, like being an accountant 
Like, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't have never say. Shout out uh, to like, all CPAs. You know, I get it. I get how cool that would be if you were really, really good at at accounting. But yeah, I mean, yeah, that's fair. I'm not going to argue with that at all. Actually, it's a really good argument. I think there are probably jobs that could be really cool. Like being a soccer player, great transition, <laughs> I think would be a sick job <laughs> because Wallace. it would probably be. It would probably be more than a job, honestly, to, uh, to people like us, but we are nowhere near being that good um, and nowhere near being that fit. So, I mean, props to them. They, they make their bag and they earn it. So uh, anyway, it's been a long week. I'm just getting back in the swing of things from work. Rian has apparently gained motor function in his body after skiing again, but a lot of stuff happened towards the end of January, a lot of transfers, a lot of, I don't want to call them questionable decisions, but very bizarre decisions. And then maybe some like arguably very smart ones, um, <clears throat> Everton. So with that, Rian, why don't we jump into everything on the Premier League side, right? Let's talk about some of the notable transfers there. Let's start with Christian Eriksen coming back to the Premier League, coming back on obviously a free transfer to, to Brentford, a player that we saw collapse not seven months ago, right on a field, nearly die, and has... He's dead. I mean, he was dead. Yeah, he was, yeah. 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 I guess legally, yeah. And, and ESPN did not, did not let us forget it. Yeah. Well, it was seared into our brains when uh, not, they didn't pan away from it, but... Uh, that was horrible. The other, I guess, happy note about Christian Eriksen is that ultimately he's back playing uh, in some capacity. Now, I don't know what that capacity will look like, what Brentford even knows what it might look like. But this is probably the best feel-good transfer of the entire window. I'm curious like, what your initial reaction was to this transfer and also like what <laughs> – what role does he really play in this team? Because I think if, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like depth is the one thing Brentford might be missing. Um, and so obviously this adds to that, but how much, how much does he really play? Yeah, it's, it's to speak on like what his fitness level is right now. He's been training with Ajax, I think for the last month or so. It, he's, I don't know if he's played in any like reserve games or anything like that. I assume that maybe he has, um, but you're right. We, we, we don't know exactly what we're going to get from, from him, especially like you said, he had his, the last game that he played, the last professional game that he played was that um, first match for Denmark in, in the Euros. And he hasn't played since, since then. Um, so it's, it's definitely going to, have to come with some like tempered expectations for especially the first few weeks but we're just still thinking about the quality of the player like this is still a guy who's a regular starter on Antonio Conte's inter team that won Serie A last season like that once he is back up to speed which granted may take a full month but Brentford is not in any sort of situation where they're in danger of being relegated so they don't have to rush him which is a which i think is a great thing for him and um and could really pay off in in a month and a half in two months yeah because yeah 
this is still a really, really good Premier League player. Um, even if we know he's not quite at the same level that he was five years ago in his in his obvious prime with, with Tottenham, but this is still someone who can make a difference for Brentford in terms of just the quality of um, passing and, and being able to create chances from his passing, which when you look at their forward line, they have Mbwemo and um, Ivan Tony, who have both adapted really well to the Premier League and are finding success. They're going to love probably playing with Christian. They're gonna, yeah, they're going to really love like the, the service that I think he's certainly capable of. Now, my biggest concern is just purely related to his health. Like, I don't know if he'll ever be able to play 90 minutes ever again. Like, I like I legitimately don't know. Um, so it's possible that they can only use him in certain situations, right? So my only fear there is consistency in how he, he how the team adjusts to his style of play, right? Like if you're if you're adapting a team that is pretty pretty well off already as is to fit one additional player's style, I think that might be a mistake. Whereas I think he actually does, to your point, like become a very natural fit in this team where necessary, which is why I think this is one of not only, I mean, the best field good um, transfer, but it's also one of the smarter ones. Yeah. If you want to, and, that, and that's a kind of the caveat with all of this, seeing how Brentford plays and how they are very high pressing it, I don't know how he's going to be able to really fit into that, at least for the first couple of months. If we're being, we're just being kind of conservative, like thinking about he was, he suffered cardiac arrest last summer and the heart is, yeah, still, still a very um, careful thing that Brent would have to mind while, while he's getting back to full fitness. So I, I think that's maybe the, the one thing that, I, that I'm like, I'm, I'm not sure how he fits into that starting, starting at the beginning of the games, like you said, Elias, and, and doing the pressing and stuff. I think they're going to be really careful about that. But um, even if he's like a luxury player that they bring off the bench, like this, this is still, this is such a low risk um, play for them. It's a six month contract. So yeah, there's very little risk. Um, I'm happy for him at the end of the day. So with Erickson coming back, to Brentford, we have to we have to shift our focus to. Uh, I don't want to call these bizarre transfers. I'll just call them very interesting. I'm talking very, very mainly about Deli Alley on a permanent transfer to Everton, Van de Beek on loan to Everton from United, and Frank Lampard coming back to the Premier League to coach slash manage Everton, all in the span of like six days. Um, can I, can I ask like the elephant in the question room of where were these transfers and sightings like, like six months ago? Like, it's just bizarre (laughs) to me that like Rafa Benitez leaves, gets fired and all of a sudden Everton have the capital and the wherewithal to make these, these type of decisions and go ahead i'm just lost. No, no, no. I mean, I was just about to say they literally signed three number eights in the week <laughs> with Van de Beek, Deli Alley, and Frank Lampard. They could all play as number eights in the field. And it's like, it makes no sense to me. Um, I, it's, it feels very Everton. I'm going to be honest. It's a <laughs> wild swing at um, something that 
on paper, like maybe in FIFA would look really good. Um, But in practice, I have no idea how, (laughs) I mean, I have no idea how Van de Beek and and Deli Ali are going to play in this team. I, I'm happy to see Donnie Van de Beek get a chance to play week in, week out. So do you think he will? That's the hard part too. Yeah, I mean, like, like that's a, like because here's here's why I asked. Everton's that. midfield is pretty dire, to be fair. No, no, no. I don't. I don't have a problem with that. Like I agree. I fully agree with you. We all know that. I do think that Deli Ali is probably going to end up becoming the preferred starting midfield, like central attacking midfielder, over Van de Beek, just because of the way that Frank Lampard has spoken about Deli Ali, and I think like his desire to to bring him into this team, um, but. To be fair, like both of these players are probably are, are good players, um, and, and probably good for this team. So, I I mean, I'm not putting it past Lampard to play both of them at the same time. Well, okay, <laughs> well that makes no sense. As I'm if not putting it past him. Honestly. Are you speaking from like PTSD from what he did with this Chelsea team? <laughs> I mean, look, because he did the, the direct opposite. Cannot, no? the one thing you cannot. Um, speak against Lampard's, uh, I guess, playing style for his teams. You cannot say they doesn't try to attack because he, he does with with fully reckless abandon, as we saw from the last <laughs> couple months of his of his tenure at Chelsea. But look, they're going to try to play very much attacking, free flowing soccer, and we'll we'll see if they're able to actually. Um, win games playing that way or win consistently but i, I really wouldn't be surprised if van de beek and deli alley both are playing at the same time um yeah. as of right now i mean they're their midfield outside of i think abdullah decore who i think is a good player and alan who is still is a pretty good Premier league holding midfielder I could see how it could become between one or the other. And and with Deli Ali actually having signed permanently, and I believe it's going to end up being somewhere around 10 million pounds, uh, yeah. I think, from ins- with incentives. I can see how he becomes the main focus there. So it's a weird one. It's a very, this is all very Everton. I, <laughs> like, I don't know. This, this could go, this could either go terribly or it could go aggressively okay. And that is kind of the scale for Everton. That's pretty accurate. For, for Everton um, decisions in the last like six to seven years. So we shall see. I, there's there's obviously a lot more interesting stuff going on on the other side of, of Merseyside. Yeah, that I mean, that's very, very true. But I guess my question is, does this like ultimately do Deli Alley and Van de Beek prove to be the reasons Everton, you know, move out of fear of the relegation zone? And I think that they're good additions to the squad. They're the type of players that Everton need. I just fear that they may very well balance this team entirely. Like as if the like it's not like this team was balanced in the first place, but like adding two attacking creative midfielders is great if you have parts of this team around them, like we're talking about a team where Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison might both be sold in the summer. So what do you do in five, six months 
when those players potentially are gone and you have to now essentially rebuild like i, I just, yeah I, it, it, it's 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 a somewhat perplexing one for um lampard to take this is not remotely a stable job right now no and, no um and look no one could ever say that about chelsea to be honest like that's that's the track record of managers is show that it's not very stable but this is a much different situation um a much much different situation <laughs> so it's this could get bleak very quickly like as if it's it, not already yeah yeah i mean I don't expect this team to get relegated at all but like this it's not it's not a great situation at best i, I agree finishing maybe 10th this season i mean that's like yeah i think uh, that'd be a good goal for them <laughs> yeah and that and that is really disappointing considering the players some of the players that they have on this team so retweet retweet well listen let's move off of everton because i that's that's my one that i would highlight as the most confusing uh combination um potentially could work potentially could really blow up but on the other side of merseyside let's talk a little bit about probably one of my favorite players like underratedly over the last maybe the last year Honestly, Luis Diaz coming to Liverpool. And I don't know, Rian, if you've heard kind of the stories around Liverpool and what they did with this transfer. But to give our viewers kind of some background, long story short, Luis Diaz, Porto and Spurs were very much in negotiations for Luis Diaz over the last several months. Um, Porto asking for 80 million um, euros, I believe. For Luis Diaz, Spurs negotiating down all the way to about 50, somewhere in that range. And uh, within the last, it's called two to three weeks, uh, Liverpool essentially said, uh, we'll match Spurs offer and uh, off Luis Diaz went <laughs> to Liverpool. So now we're talking about Luis Diaz, one of my my favorite South American players, pure out and out winger um, coming coming to to liverpool i'm really i'm really excited about it um he had like i mentioned last time a wonderful copa america um scored some wonderful wonderful goals has really turned into the focal point of this colombian side where do you see a player like him fitting in at liverpool right obviously you have your front three we'll call it a combination of firmino slash jota at this point um but him and mane slash sala essentially play in the same exact positions so is I'm going to create a narrative. Don't hate me, but <laughs> is this Liverpool's nod to Salah to look elsewhere potentially? That's that's the hard thing with this. Like <laughs> I can't tell. I've been trying to figure out. Like, does this mean anything about what happens in the summer to um, Mo Salah? And. It's hard to say. It's hard to say um, any definitive kind of answer for me because Luis Diaz is a right-footed player. He is. He's he's plays mainly on the left, right? He's a left yeah. winger more than obviously he's a right winger. But it's, it's so, a fair point. So I wonder. So I wonder if it says maybe more about Mane than than Salah. And and honestly, I always was kind of under the impression that 
this upcoming summer one of those three is leaving one or even two of those three are leaving like um and i i would have been surprised if both sala and mane left so so maybe this makes more sense maybe this means that liverpool thinks that um they're going to eventually get the solid deal done or maybe like we saw that they also had a lot of interest and almost got a deal done for fabio carvalho who's this very young attacking midfielder for fulham so i mean they're, they're obviously planning for the future right they're looking to plan for the future i'm sure that i'm sure that fabio carvalho transfer will probably just end up happening in the summer um but they're obviously making plans for the future. So I don't know if Luz Diaz is the guy who comes in and takes over for Mo Salah, but it definitely feels like they're keeping their options open. And again, if they were to sell Mohamed Salah this summer, they would still get a record. Well, actually, no. Well, he'd be out of a contract. Coutinho will always be out of a. Well, no. Salah's contract ends after the summer the oh, 2020 good point summer. good point yes so, yeah. good point so yeah so like a, yeah no one's beating Coutinho no one's beating the yeah. Coutinho <laughs> like, I'm sorry have, for bringing it up no well when but, you have dumbasses in charge like yeah it's fair <laughs> but um but no they could sell solid this summer and still get somewhere around 100 million pounds like let's be real so it, it's it's a great transfer for, for Liverpool also like this is a player that they probably would have tried to get in the summer but as you said Tottenham kind of pushed up their interest and and it forced Liverpool's hand and they have to make the deal now um and now we'll see what happens with the the rest of the season we'll we'll get a good look at how he might fit into this team but true yeah I like I said I'm very excited about how he fits in I think he will be good competition for for Mane who we'll get to in a little bit but is having a wonderful AFCON um, with Senegal. And so I think that is like uh, some, some sort of healthy competition between now and the end of the season to really see is Mane that player long-term or a longer term for Liverpool? Like where, where do they go beyond the summer? Cause I do think that this will be a pretty important summer for, for the team. So. Yeah. Yeah. At with least that, one of those guys are gone. Yeah. Agreed. So Rian, let's wrap up the Premier League stuff with, <laughs> a team that we kind of just took a dump all over <laughs> in Spurs. Um, Kuliszewski and Bettencourt coming from Juventus, one on loan, one for about 16 million euros. Um, coming to Spurs. And I think basically what this transfer told me in a nutshell is that Conte has seen <laughs> the performances of uh, certain English midfielders and uh, no longer approves. I think that that's literally the only thing I learned from this. Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong. Look, <laughs> <laughs> uh, as a whole, Conte has been, I think, very good for Tottenham so far. Like th- there's been such a huge difference in um, not only their results, but like their underlying stats for um, chance creation, like specifically their XG and, and XG allowed. Um, but as we saw in January, they played three games against Chelsea, who is the third best team right now in, in England. And Tottenham looked so far off it in every one of the games. So it, it told a lot to Conte, I'm sure, about what, what his squad is. And he said it, too, as 
he will want to do. He he will say it when he thinks the team is not good enough. But yeah. um, I really like the Kulishevsky signing. I mean, I really like Kulishevsky in general. Uh, I really enjoyed him his partnership with um, Alexander Isak in the summer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, I still find that a really, really fun striker partnership for Sweden. Um, and outside of that, he's a really elegant player. He's not, he's not a goal scorer per se. Um, he really likes playing with another striker as you know, he, he's looked good in that four four two for Sweden. And then um, with, he is, Juventus, he is less too. of a out and out forward than he is kind of like a, uh, <laughs> like a weird false nine equivalent um, kind of, yeah. Cause, cause even with Sweden, Isak was always leading that line and kind of the, I mean, the focal point of that team. Yeah. And Kulisevsky will do the kind of the hard, the hard running and he'll do the kind of dirty yeah. work like out wide and stuff and, and allow the striker to actually um, just play in the box, which will be really interesting because Kane, Harry Kane himself really likes doing that stuff now because he just sees himself as as a number 10 more than like as much as he is a number nine, really. So So. that's so you actually hit on the point that I wanted to to make is that I think Conte has actually seen that there is no one else in the Spurs team to actually support Harry Kane in that role. And I think he is this is just me speculating, but grown concerned with the fact that Harry Kane has had to turn into that number 10. He, I think he really wants Harry Kane to be a pure out-and-out number nine and use his skill set there because when he is in Absolutely. the 18-yard yeah. box, oh, my God. Like, that's that's the player that has, he became, right? That's how he became known um, as a top-class, you know, forward is by staying around that space. So I think Kulishevsky, Kulishevsky could be that, I guess, that <sighs> unison I guess, the, link. The, the, little, the link the link I guess. yeah yeah, the link. yeah that's the right word <laughs> yeah no no i agree with you like it, you see all of antonio conte's past um stops as a manager like he needs one striker he needs one that's gonna actually just play in the box like he, he just needs that guy um yep. he he doesn't want his striker or at least like he'll either he doesn't want both of his strikers i'll say if he plays with two, he doesn't want all everyone being so fluid. He wants at least one guy to just stay up there. And at Inter, it was Lukaku with Latar Martinez playing that number 10 role and supporting him. Um, and then, you know, Chelsea obviously had Costa and it was Hazard and, and William or Pedro doing that. And uh, really at Juventus, like when he's played with two strikers, I'm thinking back to... So like Carlos Tevez and and uh Llorente. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, wow, you're really um, going back. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he 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 likes he likes having at least one of those guys stay there, but he needs the supporters to uh, at least one or two players to stay around that striker. And I think Kulusevsky could play that role really well. I agree. I agree. Um Bethan Kerr is interesting too. I mean, I think he's he's just a it's it's just kind of raising the the basement of their midfield yeah like i, I mean, don't think the, he's a great player but but he's you know it's still... i think he has also fallen off a little bit in the last yeah. let's call it maybe year and a half two years um just in terms of contribution to the team i mean he is still very young he's 25 i think he's 25 um came to uve gosh when he must have been a teenager at that point or like 20 um so 
he's been there for a while and he's still relatively consistent, but in terms of his appearances, things like that. But generally speaking, I think the whole idea of this is again, like I said, this, when we started talking about uh, this transfer, um, basically challenge Harry Winks. So <laughs> that's, that's basically, yeah, it. <laughs> that's not tough. <laughs> that's yeah. Not also, tough yeah. Or, or, or skip like, like, yeah, he just has to outplay one of those two guys. And this is a good transfer for them. Basically. So, um, and the last one here, we could really touch on Tangi and Dombele. Uh, just the, just another one of those enigmatic French players who just kind of chooses when he wants to play really well and, and when he's not really up for it. So a bit disappointing. Guy's such a, a fun player to watch when he's really feels like playing, but yeah, <laughs> going, going back to Leon on loan. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, I think that's pretty much it for, for the Premier League, Elias. I know uh, we'll go to break, and then when we come back, we'll, there's some inter-league matching here with, with transfers between Spain and, and La Liga. So Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that in a second, <laughs> unfortunately. I'll, I need a mental break. I'll be right back. <laughs> I don't know why Rion's making me do this, but I guess I have to do it anyway. Um, all right, Rion, let's talk about La Liga transfers. You want to talk about the, you, you want to mention the first one up? Cause the, no, go for I, it. I, I'm honestly like, I don't know which one to pick. There's, there's, <laughs> <laughs> but um, well, they both start with a, yeah, helps. you're right. You're right. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll leave the, let, let's go with the Premier the Premier league to, um, Barcelona transfers here, Elias. We'll start with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who (laughs) I don't think has played a game in a month, at least, a month and a half, because he did not play um, for Gabon in AFCON because he got COVID right before the tournament. Uh, But... Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang terminates his contract with Arsenal and immediately signs for Barcelona on a free. Um, <laughs> Elias, you've got, you've got kind of, you might have a whole new forward line or, or maybe, maybe a new wing back as, as with the next player we're going to talk about, but um Pyramid Obama Yang. Why and or how <laughs> um, does he fit into this Barcelona team? Uh, so my first response, like mentally at hearing these rumors, was no. Like, especially for Obama Yang. We'll get to the other uh, player in a second, but that uh, Yang's was really the one that really confused the hell out of me. He hasn't played since early December, I believe. Um, but he played like, I think a couple minutes against Everton. He played most of the game against United. I don't know how COVID has really kind of screwed up his availability. I'm sure that's a part of it, but it's obviously not the full story with Arsenal. He has been on a downward spiral with Arteta and, really the whole squad for the last several months um, really 
honestly too much uh, for Arsenal to keep him around. Like he just, I think it just became toxic. Now there are really two ways of looking at this from a Barcelona perspective. One is from a footballing perspective. Two is from a just general viability in this team as a person. <laughs> I'll, I'll approach the footballing aspect first. From a footballing perspective, I think this actually makes some sense. Here's why. Barcelona are lacking goals. Now, I know you're going to say to me, he scored how many goals this season? How many goals in the last like year? Um, what? But then you look at who we have currently. You have Luke de Jong and Martin Brathwaite, who's been injured long-term and just getting back into fitness. So thinking about it from Chappie's perspective, okay, does an out-and-out center forward, someone who could potentially fill the gap of that role for the next several months till maybe the summer, where you essentially could offload him, technically. Does that make sense? The answer is probably yeah, because he's coming on a free transfer and he's cutting salary like crazy when this team has no money. So that's number one. Number two, from just a personnel standpoint, that makes less sense to me. I don't really understand it from that point of view because I would rather give the minutes that Chavi will probably give to a Bumiang to someone like Ferran Torres to play through the middle, right? To continue developing because that's where he kind of thrives with, with Spain and has for Manchester City. So from that point of view, don't necessarily get it. Um, and also like with all the stuff that went down in Arsenal uh, concerning. So all in all, it's a from a contractual standpoint, I don't hate it because it's a short-term contract with like multiple potential years if it works out. And if not, cut your ties. Beyond that, I just I'm done with this team. So <laughs> it's an interesting one. I mean when you pair this with the Adama Triore signing, you could <laughs> It's a, actually really weird. Like, is this team trying to play on the counter? I'm, I'm a bit, I'm a bit confused. Um, Interesting question. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe it means that they're going to play three at the back more. Maybe it means that Domitore, who was going to go to Tottenham definitely to be a wing back, might still <laughs> yeah. be going to another club to be the wing back. Right. So, um, that part's pretty interesting. But yeah. It's it's hard to tell what's I mean I I don't know what's left with with um Aubameyang. you know you're you're talking about a guy that two seasons ago was one of the best strikers in the league right um was averaging a goal every couple games uh, basically yeah and and his xG was one of the best in the league he was at 0.67 per game just three seasons ago and now you look at where he is in the last season or so that's gone down to like about 0.4 so it, he's fallen off for sure and I think a lot of that might have to do with just athletically he doesn't seem as exceptionally quick anymore no right? no so and uh I guess uh <laughs> um prereq for being a Barcelona forward is that you don't also have to be that. So it works out. <laughs> yeah. He's just got to be quicker than Luke Dion. Oh, oh, then well, then you're in great shape. 
<laughs> regardless. But I don't know. Braithwaite might actually be he is at fast. least as quick as Obama Hang now. Yeah. So. Yeah. Martin Braithwaite is, is actually like decently speedy um, comparatively, of course. But Rian, let's talk about Adama Trier for a second, too. Um, a player who I am personally like interested by him coming back and his decision to come back. Again, he's coming on loan with the option to buy for 30 million euros at the end of the season. Laporta has said we actually intend on executing on that uh, buy option. I don't know how again, but I think a lot of the specula- speculation from Barcelona has been, is this a player that's coming to take Usman Dembele's position, right? Is this a player that's set, like, you're basically going to slot into that same right winger, potentially left winger position, versatile at very, very much loves his one-on-one battles probably loses the ball equally if not more uh compared to Dembele so like what's the point of signing him if you also have that player let's assume Usman Dembele leaves in the summer which he more than likely will I guess in Xavi's mind maybe he's thinking I need a replacement player now to actually show Dembele like you are not going to make or break this team or if you do play, you have the potential to help us and Adama will be there as a squad player in case you break your hamstring for the seventh time. So I, I guess in some ways it's like a win-win for Barcelona and having him on loan, I think helps from a financial standpoint. Now, as for the wingback portion, I have absolutely no idea where Adama actually might end up playing. I'm excited for him. I think he definitely brings pace, which is very needed to this team. I just, I, I don't know if he's going to play wing back because God knows we need a new left back. Not to say that Dama's going to play there, but we do need one. Um, the right back situation also needs to apparently be sorted out because you have the gilded age and you have like the modern age playing at that, that position. So I will say, um, I'm excited by Adama, just confused. (laughs) Well, look, as we said when we previously thought that he was going to Tottenham, it's going to be really fun, no matter what. It's going to be really, really, really entertaining. No, pure Um, pure vibes, because at Tottenham, he would have played wingback as well, and like it would have probably still worked out in terms of like it being a successful loan because from a fullback perspective, Spurs probably not their strongest position right now, but mm-hmm. I, I think we're here just for the vibes at this point. Fully, fully, fully. <laughs> I mean, look, this is a really vibey team now though. I mean, who's more vibey than Pierre McObameyang? Really? No, seriously. That guy, Pierre, we're going back to like, only Na- cares about vibes. <laughs> We're going back to the Neymar Danny Alves days of like dancing after every goal. Him and Danny Alves are going to be doing the same thing, just like in wheelchairs now. <laughs> oh, uh, well, bless them. I, I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see these two in the same team together, just playing <laughs> soccer. That that itself should be just uh, oh no something else to watch. Um, Alex, there were a couple of other interesting moves from Premier League teams to La Liga. Um, yeah. We saw Anthony Martial go from the like dungeons of, of Manchester United 
to Sevilla, who I don't know about you, but I kind of enjoyed this, the potential of this loan. I think going to a league where he's going to get a bit more time on the ball and probably gain some more confidence by playing in a team that that really, really cares about possession as Julian Lopetegui teams do. Yeah. It's, I think it could really work out for him. I, I feel like he's in a potentially really good um, uh, environment, I should say environment for, for this. I actually completely agree. This is from the La Liga portion. I know I, I mentioned who one of my favorite transfers from uh, what's called the, the Premier League was in terms of just like make sense, really like it. And that's Luis Diaz. Martial is my pick for La Liga. And that is largely because I think he just needs time on, on the ball. He needs time playing. We're talking about a team where Yusuf and Nasiri has been very much in and out of this Sevilla team, Rafa Mir as well. And you can't really call any combination of Lucas Acampos or Eric Lamella like out and out strikers, <laughs> which they're not. So Martial, I think, is actually a perfect fit for what um, Lopetegui is looking for. And part of, I think, what will help potentially help him succeed is that I think he slots right into the starting 11 um, if Lopetegui wants to, but I think naturally he slots right in. And for a player who I think underperformed at United, but not purely because of his own talent, um, this could be a really good opportunity for him to basically revive his career. Like if this works, I really legitimately think he could be keeping um, Lopetegui could be keeping him around. And that would kind of be a win-win for both sides, right? Oh, yeah. That Manchester United forward line is just, like, just such a glut of players (laughs) that that don't mesh well at all when you look at their playing styles, right? So it's it's a situation that I think just makes more sense, might could make more sense for him, honestly. I mean, I don't know for sure yet, but it could make way more sense for him. Yeah. It makes makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. And uh, at the end of the day, I actually really hope Martial kind of recovers that form because when he fir- do you remember when he first came to United, everyone was kind of like over the moon about his talent. Like he was a record signing at the time, really, really young. Um, I, I think this could be great. I really do. Yeah, and in a lot of ways, his since he joined Manchester United, like he hasn't really. I mean, definitely hasn't developed into the player we thought he could, but he hasn't really developed much at all as a player. So it's that's what's really disappointing, and and I hope that this does work out for him. So, yeah. Well, from one top Spanish team to another crappy one uh, right now. Well, not so much. I'm, I'm of course talking about Valencia. Uh, this is my confusing pick of all the La Liga teams. Rian Brian Hill going from Sevilla to Spurs, and then Spurs throwing him back on loan back to Spain. Um, Of course, going to Valencia, who I don't know if they need a winger necessarily at this, at this (laughs) current time, Um, but more like more props to them, I guess. It it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, I'm with you. Uh... (laughs) Also, it's, I I will say it's, this doesn't feel like a board of lost player. I'll just say that. (laughs) No, not not in the slightest. It's not even close. Like Brian Hill is super technically talented. Like he is 
like the most Spanish of Spanish players. And I, I like if you, the only player that I could think of that he is remotely close to in terms of like stylistically is Guedes. And like, I, they play the same position. Like I, it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> I don't, I honestly, I don't know what Valencia were thinking. I, it's a bit of a weird one from Tottenham's side too, because you just got this player six months ago and, and look at Grant, I, I know a lot of this, almost definitely has to do with um just there's a new manager there now so and if Antonio Conte thinks that he can't win games with um with with uh Brian Hill like then and then you the, the thing with Conte like you you either give him the full control or he'll be pissed the entire time and Probably still win a lot being pissed, but, but it would just I mean, be unpleasant for everyone. It would just be, yeah, it would be a shit show. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's just bizarre to me, like a player that you could really develop if you gave him time to play. Now, again, him and I guess you would say who Hungman Sun play the same position, essentially. Um, yeah. So Brian Hill is not going to necessarily start every game. He has started a couple of cup games, played well, he has scored. But for a player as highly talented as him, but also as young as him, it's important for him to just see time on the field at this point, regardless of where it is. I just don't understand the move of him going back necessarily like to Spain. Um, Cause I think that almost like yeah. sets him up to like leave Spurs essentially. Yeah. That's the, that's the weirdest part is that he, he went on loan, not to another Premier League team, but to, <laughs> to, to yeah. Spain, like back to the same league that he was, if you're having any issues with like his adaptation from Spain to England, like this is not really the way to help it, but basically. Yeah. Well, what we, we well, got with that, we got well, one who, more. Who else do we have? Oh, Lo we Celso. got one, oh. one more is Lo Celso going to Villarreal. Look, Villarreal yes. are on a, are on the upward trajectory. Lo Celso has obviously not lit the Premier League alight. I thought he was good the first season, first half season at least that he was on the team. I thought um, he was wonderful. I mean, he first. scored a, a was that him that scored the Puskas like level goal against? No, Arsenal? no, that's Lamella. Lamella. Oh my another, god! Another I'm confusing my Argentines. <laughs> my Argentines are all over the place. That's too funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen. When it comes to um him, I guess leaving uh what's called spurs for Villarreal. i i don't i don't hate this like I, I really don't hate this move um i i will say i think that if there was a team that i can see him like play the best in it would probably be this real batiste side that he left because i think they're in a really really good position right now and also that real batiste um what's it called that team that midfield is very very strong and i think he would be an added compelling potential push for them for top four but i don't hate this villarreal move um not to say that villarreal necessarily need another central midfielder because they, they have plenty. Um, but I think they do need depth. I do think, um, you know, I am Reed depth in this team. And I think he is very, very much 
uh, looking forward to having someone like Lacelso who has played in La Liga, who understands how to play the, uh, basically the way Unai Emery plays, very uh, progressive um, attacking football. I don't think he's going to see every game, Lacelso, but I do think that a combination of him, Danny Parejo, um, and really him combining with players like Chukwueze on the wing are it, it is like very much in tune with the style of play that he's used to, especially when it comes to that level of play and level of energy from the Premier League and kind of the games that I've seen him with in Argentina um, as well. So, yeah, I'm yeah. actually I'm actually excited for this. I think it's I've a talked play for depth, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's absolutely. Like in the worst case, it's a play for depth, and it seems. As- in an upward trajectory right now, especially since our our king or my king, um, Jared Moreno has come <laughs> back into the into the team. Uh, I just wanted so, to play consistently. Yeah, and, and they've looked great since he's, since he's come back. So this is huge. I I, th- I think this is a this is a really huge for depth. So agreed. At least I think. Um, do you have anything else on on La Liga transfers? Something I'm missing. Nothing else from from my end, really, other than we'll see how Barcelona turn out in the next several weeks. But <laughs> we can just keep saying that. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, oh, I mean, I guess I guess the rumors of of Kylian Mbappe signing his. Oh, I mean, company. is that but, but news? Like, no, no, no. It's not even anything news. It will. So. Okay, so it's not news, but I will say, seeing Real Madrid play PSG in two weeks in the Champions League knockouts is going to be tasty. Oh, that's yes. all. Yeah. Most yeah, definitely. my my oh team my won't gosh. be in the, the narrative, and but... and of course, you know, it's the Sergio Ramos thing. Of course, will be <laughs> a big talking point. So, um, Alex, I think that's that's pretty much it. I think the the one last thing I'll I'll jump on before we head out of here. Afcon update, quick one: Senegal winning their semifinal today, three one. Sadio Mane getting a goal in that one. Um, they're in the final now where they're going to play either Egypt or Cameroon, who are the hosts. Um, and they play tomorrow, Thursday, February 3rd, for anyone who's listening here. That's, I mean. Do you have a favorite? Say, Just really quickly. I, I'm curious. I think Cameroon's a bit, is a bit more talented as a team, but the thing is, Egypt's going to have the best player on the pitch, like in every one of these games right now with with Salah so um I think personally I would like to see Egypt to Senegal more just because of the just because of the narratives (laughs) just because the two Liverpool players playing against each other so um it'll be I I think I think Egypt gets through as well so but we'll see I think this is going to go to penalties that's what I think um Egypt and Cameroon is a very, very tasty tie. I do think I agree with you. Cameroon are a more talented side overall, but Egypt, like Mo Salah actually made the difference against Tunisia. Like it was literally him that <laughs> dragged them through that game um, when after they went down a goal. So I I completely agree. I think Egypt might go through, but it uh, it's going to be very difficult. Penalties is my call. And then Egypt, Senegal, oof, whoo. I'm not ready for that. That I'm I'm very excited to watch. Yeah. So the, the final will be on Sunday, February 6, 2 p.m. So I'm sure Ellis and I will be tuned in on that one. Um, oh, very much so. And then the last thing I got here, Ellis, is a quick U.S. 
national team update here. We're speaking, we got live updates. Yeah, yeah. We're speaking. It's the 13th minute of the the game against Honduras in in the literal ice box of St. Paul, Minnesota, <laughs> where the temperature is four degrees, the wind chill is negative eight, and no one knows why the hell this was scheduled for this location. <laughs> um, but the, the U.S. are up 1-0 in that game after that really disappointing 2-0 loss to Canada where, where it kind of broke a few people. Um, and all good. We're fine. It's fine. It, we're, we're getting through this. We're going we're to drag our way probably to this qualification. And <laughs> I just, I've accepted that already. So um, if they get a win tonight, they'll be on 21 points. Hopefully Dean gets some help from Mexico and Panama who are pretty much the only team that is contending for third slash fourth place in the, in the qualifying cycle right now. So Hopefully the U.S. gets this win and then they get some help from Mexico later. But I, I don't want to. I don't want to forget how terrible of a decision this was <laughs> to play this game in St. Paul, Minnesota, in, in the beginning of February. But I think it was like intentionally planned like that. But I'm not here to start conspiracies against the the federation because I I think my brain would hurt enough just thinking about them how they logically make decisions anyway. So. It's Ugh. always a mystery, but um, outside of that, at least I think that's that's all we got for today. Amen. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back sometime next week. Big game in La Liga coming up, I will say. Barcelona, Atletico, Sunday. I forget what time it is. I think it's like 10 a.m. Eastern. So I'll leave it at that. That's going to be my big game of the weekend. So talk to you uh, all after that apparently goes to shit. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Thanks, guys.